episode and we've got a great one today. Um, let me talk to you a little bit about the company that our guest today represents. It, it's NICE, which is one of the world's largest providers of CX technologies, including all sorts of things, contact center, workforce optimization, knowledge management, analytics, fraud prevention, all sorts of AI-powered applications. They, they pretty much do it all when it comes to um, anything that even touches customer experience. And I would say that, you know, as you talk to companies and customers of NICE, um, they're, they're very highly regarded for, for branding, for product marketing, and even things like design. So with me today is Anat Weiss, who is the Chief Marketing Officer, and she oversees all of this. And um, Anat has been with NICE for more than 15 years, the past five as CMO. So um, I am delighted, Anat, to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you so much. And it's a pleasure being here. Thank you, Robin. Yes, and I, I didn't introduce myself yet. I'm Robin Garris. I'm a CEO of MetroG, and I also lead our coverage in the area of customer experience, contact center. Um, so I, I just, I just think it's such an exciting area, and it just keeps getting more and more exciting with all the technology innovations that are happening. So let's start out with some um, background about you. Um, I, I just like to let our viewers and listeners know um, a little bit about you. How did you get here? And, and kind of lay out for for them um, exactly what you're responsible at NICE, because I'm sure it's probably a lot more than people realize. Right. So uh, a little bit about myself. So first of all, I am originally from Israel, as the accent may indicate. And my background is actually in technology. So maybe unlike other marketeers, my path have been to go from R&D through product yeah. and then into marketing. And I know we'll have maybe a, a little bit of a conversation later on about my advice to, to marketeers in general. Uh, but I truly believe that in order to be an efficient marketeer, you have to really understand the technology that you are positioning and the technology for which you're creating messaging, right? So to answer the second half of your question, uh, in general, my responsibility is to make sure that the nice brand is well represented in our industry and in general. And I think that your intro actually made me feel pretty good, I guess, <laughs> about what I do. Uh, but there are just so many aspects in really efficiently creating a brand, right? You mentioned the graphics and the way we make sure we just everything that we put out is just looks like and the messaging uh, that we put out there, just making sure that everything that we put in front of our customers, our partners, and our potential buyers really represents the way we want the nice brand to appear. Yeah, I mean, I think when I talk to a lot of companies, and it's hard to find um, 
I think someone like you with your background that starts in the technology space, really understands the technology and then goes into marketing. I think it's usually right. the, flip, the flip side, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I'm sure that that really helps you to be able to just market the company appropriately because you understand the technology, understand the, the not only the value of it, but just how, how do you create it? How does it work? <laughs> you know, what do, what do you need to be doing differently? Right, yeah. right. And another aspect of it, I think, is also when you do understand technology, you can also understand your buyers better, oh, right? Yeah. Because you understand what is top of mind for them. You understand what their day-to-day -day challenges may be, and then just make sure that not just the messaging, right, but really the product and what we deliver really addresses that. So I think that deep understanding really helps not just in positioning, but also in making sure that the entire supply chain after that, all the way to our products really delivers that. Yeah. So, I mean, given that role, you obviously understand um, the company from a variety of perspectives. So right. when you think about from a product and technology standpoint, what do you think that NICE does particularly well and where would you like to see improvements in the coming year? Um, you know, I, I think any executive wants to see improvements somewhere. So where do you want to focus? And, um, you know, do you, do you need to add even more products just given how extensive your portfolio is already? Right. So when I look at NICE, what we're really proud of and what really gets me excited is the fact that we constantly innovate. Yeah. This is something that is just really a part of our DNA. And if you look at uh, going back also to your question about the different products, right? And do we need more products or less products and so forth? What we've done in the last year and a half or two years is really being one step ahead when it comes to looking at CX in a more holistic way and not just at the equation that used to be right, right? Where CX equals contact center which is just not true anymore. Yeah. And in the last few years, we expanded our portfolio, but also the way we look at CX to really look at the consumer's experience from when it's not even a, a customer experience interactions per se, right? It can be a Google search with a certain intent. It can be chatting with a bot. To, to try and do something and really expand the definition of CX. We call it CXI to all of the digital uh, doorsteps or entry points and just think of what the consumer is trying to do with the brand and not just trying to deflect or quickly solve a problem. Uh -huh. Right. And that actually created. So one thing is, is really just expanding the boundaries of CX, which is one thing we did. But the second is also looking at what it does to the way human agents work. Right. Like you said, our background, I want to say our heritage is WEM or Workforce yeah. Engagement Management. But in today's world, where agents are really just a part of a much longer interaction or chain of interactions, what they need today is very, very different. So if I look at where our portfolio is going to and the new enhancement that we've made to our portfolio, 
which sometimes it's just a capability or sometimes it's really just injecting AI into an already existing process is really looking at the role of the agent in that digital consumer world. Yeah, and you know, you, one of the things you said early on in your answer, you, you talked about innovation. You say, you know, we're just, you're just a company that innovates. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think it's just, you see some companies that are just, just innovation after innovation after innovation and others that maybe like, you know, sometimes they innovate a few times a year and then others are just like, hey, we're happy with what we're doing and we're not going to really do much more. I mean, what do you think it is about your company that just makes you so, so innovative? A part of it really is our domain expertise and how deeply rooted we are in the CX world. Yeah. We all, all of us, uh, speak to customers all the time, right? To those stakeholders, to those potential buyers or, you know, just CX leaders in our customers' or organizations. And yeah. those conversations cannot not spark innovation, right? You, you hear from them what their challenges are even when they are using the best of the best, right? One example, something that we see all the time is conversations around how complicated their tech stack is. You hear something like that, and that sparks an immediate thought process, right? How can we help them simplify that? It goes beyond what we do to create better agent experiences. It goes beyond what we do to create excellent customer experiences, but really thinking about how our platform can further simplify some of their own processes. So one thing is really just the deep understanding of that market, of our market. And the other really is something that is just a part of our DNA as a company. It's yeah. that constant thought process in different forms, in different levels, but it's really something that drives just how we do things and not just the what. Yeah, so it's really fixing people's problems rather than creating technology just for technology's sake, you know? Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, there's been a lot of discussion um, of companies eliminating voice as a channel to communicate with customers. I, I go a little bit nutty about this because I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see the, the value of doing that entirely. I think you need to offer choice, but I want to get your opinion, opinion on this because you think about the Frontier Airlines example, which is probably the one that we hear the most about, like let's get rid of all voice you know, communications. Um, do you see those non-voice digital channels ever completely taking over? And if so, why? And by when? And if not, why not? Probably similarly to me, you've been hearing about eliminating voice for... I don't know, a decade or two, at least, right? It's been out there. Chat is going to replace voice. Millennials doesn't like using the phone. Gen Zers are never using phone calls and so forth. And we've been hearing about it for so long. I don't think people like speaking to people. And there are some situations when you just have to have a person on the other side of the line. What we see, what I see, is a slightly different dynamic. Agents or the voice channel used to be the only channel for many mm -hmm. years. Yes, we've seen IVR and others trying to make it more efficient, but at the end of the day, it used to be your first uh, entry point 
this is going to change. This is changing already, right? People use Google search as an entry point, sometimes going directly to a chatbot, sometimes using their mobile app. So we do see different and multiple entry points into the interaction or the conversation. That's one thing. And the second is that the agent, the role of the agent is changing dramatically. If you think about it, like I said, they used to be the first entry point. Now they're being in a way injected into an interaction. Sometimes mm -hmm. at the beginning, sometimes at the end, in the middle, they have to have better context. They have to be smarter, right? Uh, they have to understand what the situation is in a, just a, a split second. What are they getting into, right? So the second dynamic that I, that I see, that we see, is really just making sure that they have the right tools to deal with it. So is voice going away? I don't think so. Uh, is the role of agents changing and voices being used differently? Absolutely, this is happening already. And the second, the third dynamic I want to say that we see is that because it is so difficult to hire skilled people, and although the great resignation is behind us and this dynamic is changing, the need to just onboard agents quicker and make sure that on day two, it feels like they're on maybe month three. This yeah. is something, right, that, that we're going to see a lot of uh, innovations and enhancements and a lot of AI being used for just that immediate onboarding and just making sure that agents are efficient on day one. Okay. Yeah. I think we're on the same page on that one, so that's good. <laughs> so um, you don't see voice going away either, right? I really don't. I really don't. I, I, I see it as... Um, one of many options, and maybe it will reduce. But our research right now shows about 73% of all interactions use voice, either initially mm -hmm. or as an escalation point. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't see a huge drop off yet. Um, we'll see what happens. We track it, though. Right. So, you know, NICE uses this phrase, experiences that flow, in describing the company and describing solutions. So I thought it would be interesting to get some background on the development of the tagline, just from a marketing perspective. I know that that's never easy to do. And it's like, yeah. you know, when it's all said and done, you have just a few words and you're like, okay, that took, you know, three months out of my life or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, I just want to get a little background on, on the thought process behind those words and how long you think that's going to really reflect the company's mission moving forward. So first of all, it is very connected to our mission. And if you look at Make Experiences Flow, we chose, first of all, a very active word, making experience flow, right? The making part. And we see our role as, a very, as taking a really active part in making that happen, right? Both from the way we develop our solutions, but also helping our customers get to that point where their experiences with their customers, with their, their consumers, and also for their agents, and also, the third part of it is between the, the three stakeholders, right, of the consumer, the brand, and the agents, uh, making those exper experiences flow as well. So we yeah. thought about it really from these three angles. Sometimes there is friction 
in just either one of those touch points between consumers and brand, and also within the organization itself, right? We see ourselves as the friction removers, if you like. Also, when it comes to internal processes and workflows and just how information flows, going back to the flow within the organization, how can you use data, your own data as an organization, to make experiences better for your employees and your consumers? So all of that is really such an inherent part in the way we design our platform, in the way we design our solutions, in the way we make data uh, and AI accessible for consumers, but also for customers. So I see that really being our mission moving forward as well, not just kind of a point in time to your question. That whole data thing too, I think is such a big part of it. And um, I, I talk to a lot of companies, customer customers of yours and, and others, who um, just have not gotten there yet with, with taking their data, whether it's their customer insights, whether it's AI-generated data, and actually making use out of them. I see it getting better, but I think that's a, a big area of, um, you know, a, a, it should be anyway, a big area of improvement and focus for companies moving forward. So it's good to see that you're doing a lot with that. We do, and, and you know, we we talk to a lot of companies just like you, and what you just said is is such a key milestone for a lot of companies. It's not because they don't want to use that data, but mainly because they can't, because of, we refer to it as the, the Franken stack, right? That crazy technology stack that is just built out of so many components. So creating any sort of, of data sharing between them is, is just really complicated. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So. When we look at just the overall market, I mean, competition in CX is crazy, isn't it? I mean, there's a bunch of startups. There's, you know, established providers like, you know, you've got Genesis moving full force into the cloud. You've got um, Dialpad with all these AI-based innovations. You've got um, Five9 doing all this CCAS work with with the carriers, with, with AT&T and BT. You know, you've got... Um, I don't know, Microsoft now uh, coming into the contact center, uh, contact center space, and, uh, you know, I could just, I could go on and on. But if I'm um, chief customer officer at a company, and I'm trying to decide on my CX partner, not just my contact center partner, but my CX partner, why do I select NICE versus anybody else? Well, great question. Um, so, so a few things. One, and, you know, I don't want to go on and on about our value proposition or the great features of our products. But first of all, CX1 today, and we hear that from customers as well, is not just a CX platform. It's a CX innovation platform. And we really feel that customers or we see that customers that are using CX1 can share data and can just move, uh, move forward so much faster than customers who have a lot of point solutions. So the platform definitely is one, one thing. Uh, the second thing is just the completeness of the platform, right? The fact that it has the entire suite of applications integrated and natively a part of the platform, which allows, again, this, the creation of workflows, the usage of data, and the injection of AI, which is just such an important part and we have enlightened, as you probably know, as the brain of CX1. So that's that's definitely a big, big differentiator. 
But the third one, which is not pure technology, is really that a lot of companies, most companies are looking for a partner that is financially viable and has that financial profile that allows them to the, the vendor itself, right, to, to innovate. And when customers look at NICE, what they see is that financial viability and the fact that our financial profile, and we're a public company, yeah. we just had our earnings last Thursday. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah, we're profitable, we're growing. And again, that financial profile really allows us to innovate quickly and provide them with stability and the innovation that they're looking for. Okay. So when you look at this big product portfolio that you have, what about that makes your job easy and what introduces challenges for you as a CMO? Yeah, so what, what makes it easy, I would say, is the fact that we really do have a platform. So yeah. it, again, when it comes to messaging and positioning, this is something that really makes it more coherent and, and, and easier. Uh, I would say the fact that we also... I have to keep making sure that we promote our best of breed solutions as well and never forget that there are uh, stakeholders out there that really care about the depth of workforce management, right? That's their job, that's their charter, or when it comes to quality and so forth. So just making sure that we give the same level of attention and we promote the depth of our best, sorry, best of breed solutions, uh, as well as the platform. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, I, I wanted to shift over a little bit to you as a person mm -hmm. and also a CMO for a minute. I think it's um, obviously it's a challenging and demanding job. There's no doubt. And anyone who knows nice CEO. <laughs> Um, Barack knows that he is, um, he demands excellence, uh, beyond excellence. I, I talk to a lot of people at NICE and, uh, you know, it's probably one of those things that they both love and hate about him. <laughs> I say that, <laughs> I'm just saying, like he's demanding. And I think you have to be to create a company, you know, the size and the scope of, of NICE. So, um, you know, I, and when I think about that, I think, okay, here you are, you're the CMO, you inspire, I'm sure many younger marketing professionals who want to get to your level, um, so a couple questions around that then. In what way do those standards that Barack has set for the company, um, what way do those standards actually motivate you um, or even better yet support some of your ideas to make the company stand out, you know? And, and what advice would, would you give to those whose goal it is to become a CMO at some point? So I will tell you for me personally that constant strive for super excellence yeah. for me it's motivating and okay. a lot of the people at nice that uh, have been successful and there are many of them right many of us have developed our careers at nice this is something that is really common to all of us that this we also are you know in ourselves we want to be excellent and we support that motion to be uh, excellent as a company, as a management team, and as individuals, and of course as leaders, right? So there are there's many. Of, I'm sorry to interrupt. There's not a lot of turnover yeah. at Nice, really, is there? I mean, you're, right. There's a lot of longevity there. Right. Yeah, you can yeah. see many, many uh, people with double-digit, uh, you know, tenure 
at NICE. Many of us, many who have moved between different roles with the company and different domains from uh, product uh, to, to marketing and strategy and, and you know, partners and, and so on and so forth from sales to other uh, roles and, and the other way around. So a lot of internal mobility between different continents, of course, right? Uh, a lot of internal mobility a lot of internal promotions that we see with the company. So, uh, and everyone, again, that have stayed with the company share that passion to do things in an excellent manner. The what, as I said, and the how as well. There is in our corridors a lot of, um, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of uh, just, really creating that strong partnerships to make things better. So definitely something that uh, that you see in the company in general, uh, inspired from the top, but also something that just exists in the company in general at any level. Definitely a, a DNA of your team. Like there's definitely absolutely. a, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And you asked me about what would my advice be for people who want to become CMO and uh, ACMO, uh, young marketeers and, and so forth. And always my first advice, just in general, for people who are building their careers, is really to make sure that they're good at what they do. You have, you probably also have conversations with people who would say, I think I could do bigger and better things. I think my role is too small or my title is not the right title. Just be good at what you do and the rest will follow. It's just the way it is in large organizations and in small ones. The second is to always say yes. And this is always my advice for people who are developing their careers. If you have an opportunity to be a part of a larger project or something strategic that is going on with the company, even if it's not organically a part of your day to day, always say yes and Try to do different things and get exposure to really learn what you like, what you love to do, right? Especially in marketing, because there are just so many flavors to marketing, right? Uh, and the third, and this it actually has a lot to do with number two, is to make sure that this is really what you want to do. Just be honest also with yourself. Are you ready for the sacrifices? Are you ready to manage a large and diversified group of people with different roles and different needs and different personalities, right? It's something that you have to have a passion for in order yeah. to do it right and in order to do it. So that's definitely uh, something that I always kind of ask people who are also uh, coming to speak to me about their career development. And really lastly, find a mentor. It doesn't need to be someone from the marketing department, I would say. And sometimes it doesn't even need to do to be someone who is actively your mentor. I, I always say find someone that you think has some qualities that you want to adopt. See what they do, how they conduct themselves, you know, what they did to get to where they are. And sometimes you can even learn in a passive manner from just someone you think you want to be like when you grow up. Right. So, yeah. It's great advice, and I swear I'm going to clip this and send it to 
one of my daughters who is, is like you talked about you wanting to do something bigger and I'll tell you that's what I, I've been talking a bit to her about lately and I think your advice is great and she's not in marketing so I think what you've just given advice about could probably apply to any professional career you right know? so right that's yeah so thank you so much, Anna. This has been a great discussion. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and insight um, and just, you know, telling us a bit about not only yourself and your recommendations for others, uh, but also just about the company and how you've achieved what you've achieved. So um, just thank you so much for, for sharing today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. And as always, a great conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers today. And until the next episode, everyone have a great day.